3: Today is Thursday, August 29, 2019. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, telling the story of 1619 to 2019 through the eyes of Black people. We will talk to the woman who's over the effort in Virginia to focus on 400 years of people of African descent in America. In Mississippi, a voting machine won't allow voters to choose who they want to vote for. Hmm, this is a problem in other states in 2020 also? And. Of CNN of choosing who they want to be the front runner of the 2020 race. Also, ABC has set the 10 candidates who participate in the debate on September 12th at Texas Southern University in Houston will tell you who they are. Plus, a North Carolina man avoids jail time for punching a black teen in the face. Another white supremacist attack stopped just in time. Also, remember when Angela Davis had the award rescinded in Alabama? Well, guess what? Now they're going to give her the Fred Shuttlesworth Award. I'll give you those details as well. And Dave Chappelle has got folks all upset and in their feelings with his new Netflix comedy special, Sticks and Stones. The question we're going to ask is, have we gotten so sensitive that comedians can't criticize or crack on anybody? Well, I can't wait to see what y'all think. It's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. THERE'S A POSITION for blackface. No, not in Virginia. This time, Alabama. Go to my iPad, please. Governor Kay Ivey, the uh, governor of Alabama, uh, is apologizing for a blackface uh, skit that took place when she was in college a few months ago. A photo surfaced of her and her sorority sisters wearing blackface. Uh, this time, though, this is, uh, of course, uh, it was a radio interview, and she's now apologizing for it when she was a student at Auburn University. If you can go to my iPad, this is AL.com. They, of course, uh, they uh, are the newspaper there, and so you see this huge story a governor's apology Kiv faces her past and so uh she said it's not reflective uh, of course of course where she stands today and her views but she said uh, it certainly happened and uh she said it was a mistake hmm really Uh, This, of course, is important because when we talk about the history of this country, when we deal with the issues of race. This speaks to exactly who we are. Our panel today, Dr. Greg Carr, Chair of the Department of Afro-American Studies at Howard University, Deshondra Jefferson, Principal with the Rabin Group, and Joseph Williams, Senior Editor for U.S. News and World Report. Folks, it's interesting when you see, of course, um, this uh, happening here in terms of her apology. Also, I want to tie to uh, a second story, uh, which deals with uh, Angela Davis. And that is, of course, remember the uh, Birmingham Civil Rights Institute? Uh, They said that they rescinded the Fred Shuttlesworth Award that was going to go to her. Uh, for her work but it got all kinds of drama led to several board members resigning well guess what now she is going to be accepting the award Hmm. again this is in alabama and so uh, this is the quote from the president ceo of the birmingham civil rights institute looking ahead the birmingham civil rights institute where a judge is freeing a black man who's 58 years old Mm -hmm. who served 22 years in prison for stealing fifty dollars because they pretty much had a three strikes rule okay, in, in, he had two previous crimes. In those crimes, nobody was hurt. small amount was stolen. But again, for, for Alabama, oh, no, no, you're going to prison at free labor, at penal assistance. Yes. Exactly all of all of these things are all tied together. Absolutely. And when we allow them to, to separate that from that, from that, from that, what happens is all of these things that tie to race become so disconnected that black folks walk around Believing oh, yeah. they're disconnected. Oh, no when I am supposed to say, no, 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 they're all connected. That's right. They're just simply all outgrowth of the exact same system that birthed all of this. But I also exactly. feel
1: with blacks, we don't also, and I'm going to say this, I was raised deep with respectability politics from parents who grew up in Jim Crow, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. It's like we are almost separating ourselves. You know, if we adopt the language of the white man, if mm-hmm. we straighten our hair, if we do this, if we're the good black, This isn't going to impact us. And there is a belief in our community. We have to own this. Oh, sure. That someone, you know, well, he deserved it. You know, he did three strikes. He did. And that's one thing in our community. I feel that we've got to stop. We've got to own that not all this is about individual responsibility. There are systemic, you know, there are systemic oppression in our nation that has kept us down. But we're starting to buy into this. But,
3: Joe, the thing I think that we have, too, that, that that a lot of young activists who talk, especially with Black Lives Matter, often talked about respectability politics. And... I understood their point, but I also believe that what has to happen is we also have to, I believe, step back sometimes and go, okay, I can look at something wearing 2019 shoes, but I really need to also look at some things wearing 1959 shoes. Absolutely. Because if we don't do that, what a lot of people don't understand is Black folks in 49 and 59, even in 69, in southern states, the choice, there were two choices, live or die. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that is a stark difference that nobody
0: really understands. And I was in, in Aberdeen, Maryland over the weekend because I'm doing a project on my parents' school, mm-hmm. uh, you Grace Colored High School, um, established in 1910. Right, and everybody knows the history of education in America, where you know, separate but equal—it's really separate but unequal—and that it's that 19—the Brown v. Board, 1954, I believe. Mm -hmm. I believe uh, that was supposed to make everything equal, and it all went away. That's not true. I mean, and and the thing that I learned most uh, sharply is that my parents' school started in 1910, Mm -hmm. one-room schoolhouse, the only public education you could have for miles around. Right, and, and they established this school 1910 on, and it was something that they had to deal with adversity, live or die, get educated or not educated. And the very existence of this school was to prove that black people cared about education, you know, to dispel a white myth. But the fact that Brown v. Board happened in 55, that school did not desegregate until 1965. So even though you had this landmark ruling, you had this uh, echo that, that that lasted almost another generation before the schools were really equal and integrated. And to me, that's a perfect example of what you're talking about where we have a historical context. Everybody's talking about Brown v. Board. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody's suggesting that it was the thing, at least in the white community, that it was the thing that helped solve and put us on equal footing. But, but, but it really
3: but joke, was. But Everybody else forgot there were two, the Brown 1 and Brown, Brown 2. two. Yeah, the G- w- Greg, go no,
2: ahead. I was going to say, you know, point this politics of respectability that you talk about. I bet you at the Haver de Grace Colored School, just like all segregated black schools, most of them. The parents, the community that sent those children to those schools made sure that their clothes were clean. Absolutely. Even with one pair of pants. We didn't lose that because of desegregation. We have to understand that our people came out of enslavement, to Rowland's mm-hmm. point. There's a new book out called Repair by Catherine Frankie. we got 200 freshmen reading it at Howard this semester. Right out after enslavement in places like Davis Bend, Mississippi, mm-hmm. where Jefferson Davis' oldest brother had their plantation. Uh, Port Royal, the Port Royal Experiment, Sea Islands of uh, South Carolina. Black people coming out of enslavement, when given a crack of time and space, began planting corn and potatoes, began trying to put little money together they got from their wages from the union to buy land. In other words, we always knew how to build community. What we didn't get after that, as Ron talks about during Reconstruction, the federal government betrayed those black people in those two areas and their else by not allowing them to be paid in land right. for the reparation for enslavement and so we have to this day because we've never had that foundation we found ourselves not just cash poor but land and resource right. poor and, and you can land. never close land a gap matters. well this is the land point and so right. I'm, yeah. what i'm saying is that as Rome went through that history you went through that history brother when we've had a moment to ourselves we've always been respectable it wasn't about respectability in other people's eyes we've always built that bulwark and as you say in alabama K.I.V. has power, there's political power, but we've got enough black people, we saw it when they put Doug Jones, those black women really organized and put Doug Jones in the Senate. Now you got a guy like Tommy Tuberville saying he's gonna run, he was the former football coach at Auburn. Mm -hmm. To your point, we have to think as a collective, in Alabama, it's not enough for a black kid who runs fast to play for Auburn football and create an argument in the black community whether we shouldn't vote for a football coach. If he's a Republican, he's in the party of white supremacy in Alabama. Okay. And we have to now leverage the same respectability we showed ourselves as a collective to wield it against white supremacy. Kay Ivey shouldn't be the governor of Alabama. But and so in a
0: minute, she won't be able to win an election. But so you're in that. doing that against a system that, that is built to oppress. That's true. I mean, we're That's talking true, about brother. Voting Rights Act. We're yeah. talking about Alabama was
3: the leader. Shelby v- You know, Shelby revert.
0: Yep. is no accident.
3: Voting rights. It's right, yeah. no accident. But, but 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 I can't. But I'm gonna go back to. I'm gonna pull my. I'm gonna pull guest in, in 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 about thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still go back to a a basic and fundamental premise that I have is on all these issues. Mm-hmm. What is required in Black America today is an absolute deprogramming and mm-hmm. reprogramming. Yes.
1: Amen. Amen.
3: Because to to your point about the respectability piece, I totally understand and I don't begrudge anybody black who says, play the game so you can live. But when we still are playing the respectability politics Mm -hmm. and it's actually hurting us, Mm -hmm. that's the difference. And I think when I talk about this deprogramming and reprogramming, it's and, and one of the things uh, when 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 King uh, gave his speech and he uh, it was one of the speeches where he talked about um, uh, and he in chaos or community he talked about it as well. Uh, he talked about um, uh, Emancipation Proclamation and writing your own.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, and a lot of people and because he talked about uh, uh, black love. Um, um, and a lot of people don't hear that King because we have placed King mm. in this total in this totally different context. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, in a second, and I'm gonna play this because for folks who haven't heard it, I think what it does is it also forces us to hear what he's saying when he's talked about writing your own Emancipation Proclamation. So uh, go to my iPad, iPad please. Mm.
4: Come here tonight and plead with you. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own Emancipation (laughs) Proclamation. Don't let anybody take your manhood. Be proud of our heritage. Somebody said earlier tonight, we don't have anything to be ashamed of. Somebody told a lie one day. They couched it in language. I want to get the language so right that everybody here will cry out. Yes, I'm black. I'm proud of it. I'm black and beautiful.
3: We're bringing Dr. Kalita Nichols Fairfax. She heads up the 1619-2019 commemoration of the first African landing uh, in Virginia. She joins us right now. Uh, Dr. Uh, the, uh, Fairfax, how you doing?
5: I'm great,
3: sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I I, I want to take this and segue uh, into you because, again, it's one thing to have events, right. commemorating what took place, mm-hmm. but I believe, and that's why one of the things that we're going to be doing is is that we're going to have this segment every week where we are unpacking 1619 to 2019 because I think we have to reframe this uh, in a much different way uh, to really get people to understand uh, the depth by which race, race has impacted this country and how, we, and how we have been degraded but also how we have to have a reprogramming of ourselves and I think doing this is a part of that reprogramming effort because frankly there are a whole bunch of black people walking around, and I'm sure Greg knows it. When students come into his class, I experienced it when I was in the African-American studies class uh, with Dr. Broussard at Texas A&M. There's a whole bunch of black folks who are utterly clueless about our own history in this country.
5: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, So the 16 19 commemoration, which took place in Hampton, Virginia, was about uh, recognizing paying homage to those Africans who disembarked the ship White Lion which landed at Point Comfort, present-day Hampton, and not the jamestown Settlement, which had always carried the credit for African people uh, stepping off the boat there. I think it's really important, however, that we start at the beginning, as I've always told people when we've been working on this commemoration, that African people were seafaring African. Uh, We explored. uh, We uh, were involved in the discovery of other cultures. We were the ancient people. We you know Malians uh, were seafaring African. We know that there were Africans who also explored what is called Central America now and South America. We know there were Africans who settled in present-day Saint Augustine, uh, Florida. So I think it's incredibly important that we do not start the African story. 1619, 1619, however, carries uh, a particular connotation for the settler colony which would become America because Virginia was a colony in Florida wasn't, And so hence we have Africans disembarking the ship White Lion at Point Comfort and then walking into an English-trained paradigm. So I think that's really significant important to highlight.
3: And what do you plan on doing? Uh, or do you have things planned for the course of the year uh, going beyond just uh, that moment last week?
5: So, okay, Thank you. <clears throat> so, the state has a commemoration commission. The city of Hampton, which I co-chair, uh, is uh, a commemoration commission. And we do not have, moving forward, planned activities. It really is going to be up to the public to come together to continue with a cultural reckon- reckoning. And so, the commemoration, which occurred last weekend, uh, was a conglomeration of the National Park Service, city of Hampton. Uh, a grassroots organization, Project 1619, uh, and the state. I think though it's important as we move forward that we engage more critically with discussions with regards to our cultural reckoning and then keeping the focus on our African ancestors. It's not just about the birth of America and that's the way unfortunately that the state has framed the commemoration. It is about coming to terms with our Africanity and understanding African culture as we move forward in reclaiming who we are as
3: people of Africa. Well, and I also think, I think, it's obviously the impact we've had on this country, but I think it, it would be absolutely ludicrous for folks not to deal with uh, the negative impact, what it has What it has meant not just to those first uh, out Africans, not just to the millions who came after that, but really how uh, that was a clear and precise uh, systemic uh degrading demoralizing and destruction uh physically and mentally of uh people of african descent and one of the reasons why we're going to do this 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 weekly segment for instance i don't think people understood that initially uh through the research black people were initially allowed there were no issues with voting but that was a decision that was made later uh folks who were african descent there were folks who were actually reading for those laws. And so I think we need to. So we're going to be walking folks through that history to get them to understand, no, like, that this is the actual history, not his story. And that's why I think, uh, look, again, we can spend next 400 years unpacking that, but too many of us are walking around, to me, completely uh, unarmed with the right information to combat what's happening present day. Your final thoughts.
5: You are absolutely correct. I think though, it's also important to note that with 1619, we find what John Henry Clark has taught us, the birth of a plantation-based, race-based civilization that the world had never known. This is incredibly important. Uh, 1619 is the start of an American brand of racism, an American brand of white supremacy, and it has untold discussions that we should uh, uh, funnel around what really happened to those Africans after they were here. So many of them, we don't know what occurred to them. That should resonate with us. I think we should also be clear that all the focus is around this woman named Angela, who disembarked the second ship treasurer, and and she was taken to the Jamestown. Uh, settlement, and we have no idea what happened to her. She was by herself. So we can make parallels between 1619 and today. We do need fuller discussions. We need fuller training discussions. I think your work, Mr. Martin, is completely important. I do hope you will have this discussion every week because there needs still to be a commemoration of our own.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. We certainly appreciate all the work that you've done. Um, we're going to do that. So if there are folks uh, you want to send us uh, their names, do so because, again, we're going to do it every week. And what the hell is my show? If I want to do it twice a week, I can do that, too. That's right. I pre- and I
5: appreciate the opportunity to serve. Thank I, you, sir. I
3: appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Uh, back to our panel just for a few more minutes of this. Again, um, when you take... Again, I go back to you, you take the black face of Governor K. Ivey. When you take... Uh, uh, laws that have been signed. When you take what's happening in Florida, where they, where we use the power of the ballot to get Amendment Four passed, and the Republicans still try to come up with another way to deny folks formerly incarcerated the right to vote. When you look at uh, folks uh, who were Jewish who were critical of Angela Davis and blocked a Black Civil Rights Institute from awarding a Black woman, a native of Birmingham, mm. uh, with that award, uh, it's also important for us to understand how we also maximize our power. And when I hear people say, uh, well, Roland, you keep talking about voting. I say, it's not just voting. It's what we do after the vote. It's not just getting the Civil Rights Institute built. It's then what do we do after it's built? It's not just saying, oh my God, it's great and wonderful at the Smithsonian. uh, National Museum of of African American History and Culture is the most trafficked uh, museum of all Smithsonian museums But the question then becomes, what is happening on the other end of Capitol Hill? And are we trafficking at that museum then leaving that and dealing with the people who are representing us in the halls of Congress.
2: Absolutely.
3: I think it's, it's pushing us to again expand our boundaries to understand that there's so much work to be done and somebody has to do it.
1: And I wish you included Obama in there because people acted like you know once we get Obama everything is gonna be <laughs> rosy and rainbows and kittens everywhere but there was still work to be done you know it's not just about electing one person you've got to hold him or her accountable yeah. it's about not electing your vote to be taken for granted I am a hardcore dem but I'm not gonna just give you my vote right because you have a D in parentheses on the ballot box I want to hear you speak to my issues I want to hear you take my community seriously Absolutely. I want you to know that you have to work just as hard as my for my vote as you have to for the so-called white working class That's that abandoned us for Trump
2: hmm. no you're right I mean this uh, Jefferson you said it earlier I mean we have to take some of the responsibility in this I mean, we have to begin to think collectively. You know, the psychologist Wade Nobles once said, "You know, power is the ability to define reality and have other people accept your definition as if it were theirs. <laughs> so, I mean, individuals, not only do we have to convince you for your vote, we have to convince the blocks of our people. I mean, nothing happens in civil rights Birmingham, nothing happens with Shuttlesworth and King if not for the organization of the Montgomery Improvement, Society, uh, M- Montgomery Improvement Association and the black women like you know uh, Joanne Robinson and them down at Alabama State. Nothing happens in Alabama if not for the Selma Equal Voting Rights League and, and the people like um, uh the, the Boyntons, Amelia Boynton who just mm-hmm. passed away at 104 years old. Individuals can make some change, but it is collective people that make change. And if we can get that hard reset you talk about, Roland, you know what Kalita has said really will come to pass. We will rethink and then we can move collectively. Yeah. yeah. Joseph, we discussed
3: it first, yesterday, we can discuss it again. Montgomery, 60% black, they've never had a black mayor. Wow. Hopefully, hopefully,
1: hopefully, No, 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 I got you. no, 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 no,
3: we no, it, it yesterday but even with that there were like ten black people running. Yeah. Okay. Oh no. So the no, no. reality is, black folks could've actually elected a black mayor without a runoff. No question. Uh, if you didn't have ten black folks who were running, same thing happened when a sister ran in St. Louis. Yes. Uh, when a whole bunch of men wouldn't drop out. Yeah. The, the, the point I'm making there is it's it's, it's understanding power and how it is, how you use it, and to think that Montgomery, 60% black, and mm. you've never had a black mayor, mm. crazy. Mm. Well, you look at all the votes around the Black Belt from west, from eastern Texas to
0: southern Virginia. That is the concentration of African Americans. We see lack of representation in Mississippi, lack of representation in Alabama, lack of representation in Louisiana. I mean, there is no accident that, that this is occurring. Yep. But it is about us and it's on us to collectivize and to understand that this is where it's at. It. This is where we have our power base
3: and we can make real and substantive changes if we get to that point. Uh, speaking of that, politics is gonna be our next topic when we come out from this break. Democrats. Ten of them are going to be standing on stage uh, in Houston, September 12th, Texas Other University. Mm. I wonder if any of them are going to talk about how TSU even got created. I wonder if any of them will talk about the funding of TSU in Texas. I'm going to get to all of that (laughs) when we come back. This is (laughs) Roller Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, you heard me talk a lot about marijuanastock.org. Why? Because I want to keep you informed of investment opportunities that make sense. We've all watched the growth of the cannabis industry. A recent report by New Frontier Data estimates the global cannabis market at over $340 billion. We know that marijuana legalization is sweeping the country state by state. We also know that marijuana has a good cousin, the hemp plant, with a much higher concentration of CBD. That means hemp gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, that changed with the 2018 Farm Bill, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S. and thus creating one of the largest commodities Worldwide. Of course, what do they need? Land to grow all of the plants and that's where the folks with the 420 real estate come in. Their business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high paying tenants. That's right, they are hemp CBD landlords and you can get in on the action. Now, what they've done for the folks at Roland Martin Unfiltered, they allow you to invest as little as 200 bucks up to $10,000. Originally, it was $500 to participate in this crowdfunding campaign. And again, this is a $340 billion industry that is still growing and you can participate with as little as $200. To invest, go to marijuanastock.org. That's marijuanastock.org. You can get in the game and get in the game now. All right, folks, let's talk of politics. Of course, ABC has announced uh, all the participants of the September 12th debate that will take place at TSU in Houston. Go to my iPad please. This is uh, the graphic here. You have uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, Senator Cory Booker, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, Senator Bernie Sanders, Vice President Joe Biden, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Kamala Harris, Andrew Yang, uh, former Congressman Beto O'Rourke, and former Congressman Leon Castro. Of course, taking place September 12th. 8 to 11, it's going to be airing on ABC, Univision, as well as going to take place at TSU, 8 p.m. Eastern, 8 to 11 Eastern. Now, there's not going to be a second night because only 10 qualify. The DNC, of course, had their rules. You had to be at least 2% in the polls and get 130,000 donors uh, from a certain number of states. All the other candidates are bitching and moaning because they didn't they didn't qualify. Look, ain't our problem. Don't nobody like you, joke, John Delaney? <laughs> don't nobody know your ass You've been
1: getting paid for two years Okay,
3: you're right, you're the first one in You're the first one announcing Okay, it's on you, Pim We don't know you We don't want to know you Tulsi Gabbard, we That's don't it. want you Okay, all these people Michael Bennett in Colorado Say though, we don't know you Okay, De Blasio All these people, y'all are polling Zero to one and a half percent Look it's simple. It's only a certain number of people. This it. Hmm. This it right here. Now the deal is, nobody's telling them to stop campaigning.
2: Right. Yep.
3: Okay. Y'all just won't be in a debate. You know why? Cause we don't know y'all. Hmm. And here's a piece. Of the people here, I'm gonna tell y'all right now. If you want to be considered a top Democrat, you better be able to get black votes. Buddha judges is on this list. He polled around zero to 1% of black people. True. And the rest of these folks, this is real simple. That is, you better learn how to appeal to who the Democratic voters are. It's gonna be a TSU, HBCU, public university, yes. born out of segregation. That's right. Heman Sweat could not go to the University of Texas yes. uh, law school, so therefore what they said create one at TSU. That's what led to the uh, creation of Texas Southern University. And I really do hope that um, these folks with, with ABC, and I really hope the candidates utilize local issues. Now, granted, I'm from Houston. My high school, Jackie's High School, is right across the street from TSU. What people also don't realize is, is that uh, there is a public housing complex called the CUNY Homes, Hmm. which is right across the street. Hmm. Not down the street, literally right across the street. You got a a, a gentrifying neighborhood, You've got the uh, University of Houston, not far. You've got, again, the high school. You've got all these different issues. I really hope they bring that to bear in this debate and then not become this, this conversation as if what's happening there. What's happening at TSU is a microcosm. I wonder if you're gonna have somebody challenge Gov- Governor Greg Abbott in Texas to give more resources to TSU. See, to me, those are the kind of things that should come out in one of these debates where you utilize what's happening locally as a part of this conversation.
0: Wait, oh, please, please. To, but just it's it's about making the actual, the theoretical actual, right? I mean, what you're proposing is a is a is a brilliant c- campaign solution. Let's hope somebody's listening, right? Because what better way to bring this to bear, right? I mean, you're in a AHBCU, you're in a city that's got a lot of struggles, you're in a community that has a lot of struggles put your money where your mouth is, right? Put your feet where your ideas are. Go there, talk to people. It's not very difficult. I mean, they did it in Florida when they went down to the detention center. They did it in uh, Detroit, at least in, it, I'd heard a couple of them did it, when they went to had community meetings and talked to people out there but bringing those local issues would have a significant impact especially in a place like texas but we don't know i mean we don't know if this is going to happen we can kind of assume and maybe cross our fingers but that kind of
3: is a microcosm of the whole ball and third ward where tsu is is a perfect example of really black america historically you literally have this row of homes on mcgregor uh that are Half a million to a million-dollar homes, huh. and then you have a public housing complex that's about six blocks away. Huh. Uh, and so, if you, so again, to me, when you talk about the issues that are important that people should talk about in this debate, that literally that community has all of that. Where you have this public university, TSU, that has to fight desperately for funding. Then you got the University of Houston, that's literally two blocks away. Mm-hmm. Where Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Houston uh, Rockets and who is, of course, on Landers, is putting millions of dollars, gleaming new stadium yeah. facilities and all of that. I mean, I'm talking when I say when I say like two blocks, like literally you could yeah. be on TSU campus and you yeah. can go. There's University of Houston. Wow. It's all of that in a three or four block area. I was
1: going to say, no, what I'm nervous about is that this is just window dressing. We're going to go to this historically black school, but we ain't going to talk about the real issues. We're going to talk about everything else, I think climate change is important. We should talk about it, but I think we should be talking about a historically black university education, making sure these schools are well-funded and what's going on in the black community. My fear is because people have spoken at NAACP. They think the black issues are over. Mm-hmm. They think, that box. yeah, I've checked this yeah. box and let's move on to the right. next. No,
2: sure. I mean, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, we're in Texas. This is debated in Texas. There, there are two candidates with prominent Texas ties, Beto O'Rourke and the former HUD Secretary Castro. Castro. If you're trying to make a statement to get into that top four, because it looks like it's pretty well established that Joe Biden is the front runner, in mm-hmm. part because of—I hate to say it, but I'll say it here, just to be candid—black ignorance. Mm-hmm. We have to have educated black voters to look at these folks. You can't just vote on somebody because he was with Obama and yeah. this kind of thing. But then you've got, of course, Elizabeth Warren, who seems like she may be displacing Bernie Sanders if she starts pulling from Sanders. Although they do have some, you know, different voter base, yeah. she could maybe catch because the progressive candidates and you get in Kamala Harris. The, that is a higher percentage than joe biden and joe biden is, has reached his ceiling if anything he's coming back to earth but the breakout for this debate would be based if they listen to you roland it could be based on exactly what you've laid out Cory Booker may be the best one to approach this from a, a kind of urban challenge gentrification mm-hmm. point even though you can be critical of his record in newark as mayor of newark but Seems to me Castro would be the one to take up exactly this I, conversation. I, feel like that. No, I, I don't, don't know. I no, mean think, I honestly, do you think? Well, I mean, if he's smart, I mean, that's what I mean. I don't no, know. But he
1: has broached other subjects and other debates. I think he gets it. I like to think that he gets it. I think that he he has really struggled. And I'm going to go mm. back to this whole debate. You know, like the criteria. If you poll at two percent, why are you running for president? <laughs>
3: Okay. Well, first of all, we just saw Kirsten Gillibrand, center, yesterday, drop out because she couldn't get above two percent. She spent; she had a ten million dollar war chest. My God, blew through it all. Got eight hundred grand left, and all you had to show for it was about a point and a half. Well, that we has been running since like a year and a half ago. She's been running almost since. Right, but it's like, boo! Yeah. You, you. I mean, at some point. Maybe six months ago, this really ain't it. Let me save some of those millions.
1: But you know what? People still I don't know if it's ego. I don't know if they think they it's really all ego. You know you new voice to add out there. But I feel like people should have been making these relationships and ties to the black community a long time Absolutely. ago. And if you want to play catch up now, you know, good luck to you. I agree with what you said. A lot of people like Biden simply because of the halo effect from Obama. Sure. That's not enough. It
3: can't <laughs> No no, be but you know, here's the no reason I'll push back on that some Here's the here's it. I have been, I have been, I've been to NAACP, I've been to Urban League, I've been to these places where Biden has spoken. First of all, it's only one, well, I think he's the only one, but when you stand up and say, I'm a lifetime member of the (laughs) NAACP, when you can actually stand up before you speak and literally name 30, 40, 50, 60, almost 100 people. Sure. It's it's relationships. What, what, What black. The, the, the thing that I, that I think a lot of these these, can, these candidates don't understand, and again, and I'm including the black folks, mm-hmm. is that for black folks, it's relationships. It's not just policies. I think one of the issues that people have with Senator Bernie Sanders, it's not that what you're saying is where have you been? Mm-hmm. See, have you been talking to us all of these years? Mm. Now, granted, we know you're a senator what? from Vermont. Look, I personally, look, I think Look at how Cory Booker is doing. Here's what I think Senator Cory Booker didn't do. Mm. If I was Senator Cory Booker, and I came to the U.S. Senate, I would have sat here and locked down Black America. I would have been doing every Black syndicated radio show at least twice a year.
2: Interesting. Interesting.
3: I would be. I would have done. I would have understood the infrastructure in Black America as somebody with the who has the news segment on the Tom Jordan Morning Show. Mm-hmm i can tell you right now him and harris did not do that and i think they, And that's the craziest thing in the world they've
1: taken us for granted because they are black themselves that's automatically right. we're right. going to be drawn to them automatically right. you know i'm going to vote for but it's harris. called
3: putting the work in well and i think with biden the difference with biden is he's done that over the years so when biden comes it ain't like he brand new let me ask you, wrong. See, I think that's what the difference there. Is. And you throw in Obama. Oh hell, well, not but you. Like, but he's been around
1: for 40 years. Right. Well, he comes from Delaware, that's what which I was got gonna, a lot of black folks. That's what he I was to say. The, he... Biden, despite his flaws... But you got to work it. He's a politician. He has worked it. He is a politician. He knows it's not just... You're right. It's not just about having good policies and saying the right things. He's built those relationships. But you know what? How much does it cost to become a lifetime member of WCP? (laughs) How much does it really cost?
2: Yeah, that's not... It don't
1: cost much. That's what I'm saying. No, This this ain't hard. Greg,
2: go ahead. I was going to ask you, because Rashonda makes a very, very important point. I mean, Biden at his age... Biden with the demographic that has keeps sending him back to the Senate. And Biden as a Democrat over the last two generations, you know, how much of his uh, familiarity is that kind of black, middle class leadership familiarity? And as far as Booker is concerned, and, and as far as Kamala Harris is concerned, sadly, they're taking their playbook in part from Barack Obama. Right. Which did the very be, same thing. Which worked in 08. black, And but won't it, never work it, again. That's exactly right.
3: And look, and if y'all take that playbook, y'all should have been listening to me for the last five years. <laughs> I, I say consistently the next person who's black who runs a president will not be able to run a campaign the way Obama not did that's in 2008. Exactly right. And the last thing I say this here before, Joseph, I go to your point, I go to the next story. Tell the, all these young people, who are saying I ain't down with Biden. I don't know what these old people are. I'm gonna tell y'all a story that con- then congressman <laughs> Jesse Jackson Jr. told me. There were a group of young black folks in Chicago who came to Jesse Jackson Jr. And they said, man, if you don't do this, we gonna throw you out of office. This is what Junior said. He said, I don't give a shit what y'all think. He said, you see that building right there? <laughs> he, said, he said, that's an assisted living facility. He said, all them old black people, especially them old black women, Day y'all vote. That's who put my ass in office. <laughs> he said, that he, "This is what he told him." He said, "The day y'all turn out like they do, is the day I'ma listen to what you got to say." That's the lesson. And people, as people sit, <laughs> and I, I, y'all, I'm telling you, you can say whatever you want. You can sit here and trip, and you can say that ain't right. But what Joe Biden is understanding right now. Is all black folks vote. <laughs> That's so true. Melanie Campbell, y'all, Melanie Campbell, we, we, we did the uh they were uh, 2018. We we did the uh that live stream. Yeah. Well, when they were doing the uh they were doing, doing the phone calls uh to folks in Alabama. Oh yeah. Wants us to call and a woman, she was nice, she said, baby, look, you ain't got to call me. You gonna go and call somebody else. She said, I ain't voting early. I've already called my daughter. She's picking me up at this time on election day. So save your breath. And call somebody else. That's true. The reason Joe Biden is leading. That's true. Is because older black folks, mm-hmm. his numbers are sky high. That's true. Because they are going to vote. That's true. And if you are 18 to 40, mm. and you sitting here saying, "I want to see who impresses me," I'm telling you right now, the reason they are not necessarily talking to you because your numbers are not corresponding with turnout. But primaries. Are different than generals. That is true. Primaries, you targeting who is going to turn out, Joseph. And that's why I don't think people don't understand. Mm. And it's nothing against young folks, mm-hmm. but old folks look, my parents are 72. Yep. Every election and, day. No, no. They work elections. <laughs> oh. They are the precinct. Mm-hmm. They, they work them. My, they ain't just. Yep. Hey, wait a minute. My, my, my parents moved from Houston to Dallas. All the politicians in Dallas are my parents. <laughs>
2: Why? Because they work. They work. 72.
3: All I'm saying.
2: My mom 91, and she will be voting. So, she does wow. not miss the vote. No, brother. that's
3: all I'm saying. Joseph, well, final you, part, you,
2: next story. Ask Doug Jones. He'll tell you. <laughs> no
0: no way. Way. Doug Jones Alabama will tell you that this is who he targeted because they vote. Yeah. And
3: it worked. And that's where it's at. I mean... And it was just black There's women, because 92% or 93% of black men voted for Doug Jones. Oh, sure. That's right. Yeah. Black women were trying at a higher rate than everybody yeah. else did, the black men as well. And speaking of that, folks, uh, real soon, I'm working on this right now, uh, we're going to be holding a series of uh, town halls around the country with these candidates, black men only. Oh, see, y'all didn't realize that. See, I decided to go ahead and announce this right now. Oh. I have bounced this off of at least six candidates. Only one has responded saying that they would do it. I ain't going to tell you who it is until mm-hmm. we actually do it. But I, I personally, listen, Roland's personally bounced off a of six. Only one has said, no, no here's the date I want to do it. Why am I doing that? Because in all the black girl magic and all the other stuff, black men are asking questions that people are not necessarily answering. And so we're going to be putting this thing on. I'm putting the coalition together. But we are going to have the town halls Asking the questions. And it ain't going to be just middle-class black men, fraternities. Mm-hmm. Anybody's going to be invited. But the whole point is what is happening out there with black men. Because trust me, the White House, that's who they are targeting. Mm-hmm. The White House is specifically targeting black men that's true. in 22. And I'll give you more of those details as they become available. Folks, the video has gone viral of a Mississippi voter trying to vote for the candidate of his choice. But the machine keeps changing. Look at what happened.
4: Let's see here.
5: No. Nope. How would that happen? I don't
4: know in the machine. It's it is not letting me vote for who I want to vote for.
3: The voter in the video is trying to click the box next to retired state Supreme Court Justice Bill Waller Jr.'s name on the touch screen of an electronic voting machine only to have an X appear next to Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves' name. This voter was one of more than a dozen people in Mississippi who reported machine glitches when they tried to vote. We'll be watching out for this, folks, uh, because we've heard this same thing in Georgia and other places, especially in the places where They don't have paper ballots. And so, of course, uh, the civil rights organizations, like Lawrence Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, they're also uh, watching out for this as well. Post Braxton, Ryback, and Johnny Young were recently arrested by Las Vegas police after threatening to shoot up the XS nightclub in Wynn, Las Vegas. Police were told that Ryback and Young were shouting, White privilege, white power, we are white supremacists, and locking their fists like they were going to hit people. Police were also told that the men told security they were going to come back and shoot the place up. Young then allegedly returned to the hotel casino with pepper spray based on numerous witness statements and the fact that Young specifically stated he would return with a gun. Both of them are being charged with making terroristic threats. Yeah, they would throw your ass in prison, in jail before that. And so uh, uh, people better realize these white supremacists are real. Uh, Trump is emboldening these people to say what the hell they want to
2: say. I'm just saying this thing is happening. Yes, sir, brother. I mean, it's the 100th anniversary of the Red Summer. They're going to come up on the right one one of these days. Keep telling. <laughs> I keep telling people
3: this thing is going to happen. Like, y'all keep playing games with this thing, but y'all going to roll up on somebody who's also packing with a gun, uh, who's legal, who, who legally carry it, and there's going to be some bloodshed. They're be like, what happened? Right. You still hollering white power. Mm-mm. Oh, that's wrong. This mm That's This gonna make you show it. This crew here ain't gonna kneel down and pray. Nah, these young kids. Like, <laughs> you know. I'm just letting y'all know. Nothing if you buck, brother. I'm just letting y'all know. All right, I gotta go to the break. We come back for Roller <laughs> Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Mark Unfiltered? be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roland Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans, contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. God. November 7th, 3:11. I want y'all to roll with me to Cabo, folks. We're gonna have a great Time, life, lux, life, lux, jazz, experience, top-notch music, unbelievable food, libations. Y'all know I don't drink, but I, y'all can go ahead and drink. And of course, golf, spa, wellness, all that good stuff uh, at Omnia Day Club Los Cabos, nestled on the Sea of Cortez in the celebrity play- playground of Los Cabos, Mexico. We're gonna have a great time. I'm one of their uh, ambassadors. Of course, it's gonna be an amazing. All these jazz artists are gonna be performing, folks, over the four days, which is crazy. Uh, Mark Curry, he's gonna be actually uh, the host of all of this. Thing. Uh, then, of course, you have my frat Joe Albright, Alex Bunyang Raul Madan, Incognito, Kirk Whalum, Average White Band, Donna McClurkin, Shalaya, Roy Ayers, Tom Brown, Funkin' for Jamaica, Ronnie Laws, and Ernest Quarles. It is an unbelievable schedule, folks, of uh, concerts every single night. You don't want to miss this. package is starting at $1,300 uh, and going all the way up to more than $2,000, depending upon, of course, the hotel you're staying at. And so we're going to be broadcasting Roland Martin Unfiltered that Thursday and Friday from the location there, and so I want you to come hang out with us, and also my birthday is like a few days later, so we can actually make it a birthday party and a jazz experience, so for more details go to lifeluxjazz.com L-I-F-E-L-U-X-E jazz.com, it's going to be a great time had by all, trust me packages are running out, we want you to g- get there, and so we're going to have a fabulous, fabulous time, and you know what, I might even I might crack out me a Kente uh, uh, Kente don't linen don't uh, short <laughs> set, I'm just saying oh, short set. I might crack Ooh. out the Kente Linen short set. We'll see. We'll see what we do. Uh, all right, y'all. An North Carolina man who was arrested in January for brutally punching an 11-year-old black girl as being convicted of two misdemeanors. Remember this video from earlier this year? Well, y'all know it's a bunch of young black girls around there.
2: No question. And no If it was some, some bros, come on, bro. Yeah.
3: Wouldn't need the cops. Let him go. Bill received no a 60, a 60 day suspended sentence, has been placed on unsupervised probation for the next 12 months. Yeah. He'll be required to complete anger management counseling and participate in a racial justice workshop within the next 90 days. He will also be responsible for paying a court fee
2: of less than $200. That's assault. He should be in prison.
1: And Eric Gartner died for selling loose cigarettes... Died. ...on the streets.
2: I mean, you know, this is, we're being, this is unfiltered. I would say, uh, let him go. Go on out in the street. Let's find out how long he's unsupervised. Because you don't do nothing like that and walk the streets and not look behind you every second for the rest of your natural life. Because if that was my sister, I'm going to tell you right now, y'all might as well put the cuffs on me because I'm going to erase the whole bottom of his chinless face. But, wow. No,
1: I, I, the thing is, I don't think he feels any remorse. He don't... No, he doesn't. he going
2: to have to have remorse imposed on him. Let him go walk the street. Because that right there, you don't handle that in the court of law. Not in this country.
1: An 11-year-old girl.
2: No. Did you see
0: that?
1: Can you imagine? No.
2: No. I want to no. know, I mean... I want to know how the judge arise, arrived at the decision. No, that's decision. all right. I the, mean, judge, the judge don't impose that law, I'm telling you, brother. Let him walk. Hmm. All right, street justice. No I mean, question. about time for it. Because that just, right there, no, nah, brother. No, nah, you don't got,
0: do that. But I just want to know, how do you arrive at the result? that you get this man spending
2: temporary time in prison, going to right. a racial justice class for Because it. he sees for him as a human cocking, being, and he sees those two black girls as not being human. Exactly. Because if it had been a black man that done that, he'd been under the jail.
1: And she's a child. I mean, like, That's you, exactly can't, a child. You, can't, you, you can't call security. Let her, I mean, what, she's going to get in your face and talk smack? What? You have to, like, walk around like that? What is
2: walk away? I mean, this is because love obviously, your girl. You're a grown man. No, let me
1: you. Obviously, hear he been, we, enough for that. We're
2: in a society where we're not protecting our children. Mm. That video was a bunch of black girls. Like you said, bro, if there was an adult out, listen, no, let him him walk the streets. Mm -hmm. Look, at some point, we got to draw a line. We have to draw the line. Mm-hmm. We're going to be sh- we're shot down like dogs with impunity. They're, it's like torture porn now. They just show video after video. At some point, this guy, you know what? Go ahead. No time served. No, no. Go ahead. Go with God and see if he gets five steps out the courthouse.
3: Uh, yeah, it's, again, uh, no jail time. Uh, that's a real issue. All right, folks, our final topic here. Uh, we might not have enough time to talk about it, but uh, I'm going to squeeze it in as uh, best that we can. Mm-hmm. So Netflix has a new special from Dave Chappelle called Sticks and Stones. That's gotten all kind of folks talking left and right. Uh, in fact, if y'all can find the trailer for me, I certainly appreciate that. Uh, what's uh, was unbelievable about this is that I mean, he skewers everybody. He's talking about LGBT, uh, opioid crisis. He's talking about Michael Jackson's accusers, R. Kelly. I mean, but he but it was was unbelievable. He comes out uh, and even talks about Anthony Bourdain's suicide. Brother, it is as if. Nothing is off limits for Dave Chappelle. Now, you got people who are saying he's misogynistic, people who are saying he's homophobic, people who are saying he's crazy, he's out of his mind, that he's dead wrong for this comedy special. Now, all people here, I've seen it, Greg has seen it, uh, Deshondra and uh, Joseph have not. Uh, but, but I do want to talk about this here because, and then it what's was interesting is that he lays out in there the cancel culture. Yeah, he did. Where he says, y'all are the problem, y'all get on my damn nerves, which is why I don't do a lot of comedy, because y'all want to cancel somebody. He, it, it is as if he takes on, uh, I don't want to say political correctness, but he takes on this whole notion that uh, comedians have to watch what they
2: say and they can't offend anybody. Right, no man, listen, man. as a classroom teacher, nearing my 30th year in the classroom, when he opens up with a dark screen mm-hmm. and you hear him, I was dreaming when I wrote this, from the moment he opens up with Prince, almost as if this is the disclaimer for everything that's right. about to come after him. Mm-hmm. And he goes through Anthony Bourdain. He said, this man with this job hung himself in a luxury hotel and then goes immediately into a story about a guy he knew from the hood who went all the way to the Ivy League and ends up at Foot Locker and then says, but you know, never, at no moment did this brother ever think about killing himself. It is a master class. And first of all, he takes race out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, rolling that line where he has that, and I'm gonna give it away y'all, when you see it, where they go in and tell him he can't say the F word in his skit, and then he says, okay, and he says, wait a minute, what about the N word? They say, well, you're not an F. He said, I'm not an N either. Mm. Genius. And this LBGTQ, understand now, I can understand why people in the LBGTQIA community might be offended, and they say, but here's the thing, he talks about the LBGT, G, GTAI community, he talks about that community in reference to itself. He doesn't say anything in the external critique of them. As he takes every one of those letters and put it in conversation with the other letter, it's a tour de force. So the, 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 re-
3: the reason the reason I uh, so I was I was playing golf a few months ago, uh, and one of my um, one of, I mentioned George Lopez, uh, and I know George very well. Played in his golf tournament. And guys guy I was playing with, he's like, man, he pissed me off when he had his comedy set. And, you know, he told that black joke, Well, you know, Latinos, uh, don't bring nobody black home. Uh, and then he said, uh, uh, and then he got mad at the woman who's an artist and threw her out. And I said, mm. so have you heard any black comedians talk about don't bring no white girl home? Or don't bring no white boy home? I said, dude, he said, uh, why aren't you mad? I said, cause it's a comedian. <laughs> See, the thing is for me, I, I have seen All kinds of comedians. I have seen them in person, I've seen them on television, I've seen black, white, Hispanic, I've seen gay, straight. I've seen, I mean, it runs the gamut. For me, that's what comedy does. Comedy pisses people off. Comedy steps on toes. Comedy, as uh, Dr. Freddie Haynes would say, uh, bow down your alley, sit in your pew. Comedians say things. They dog everybody, they trash everybody. So we have the trailer, so we're gonna play the trailer. I wanna come back and get y'all thoughts on where are we with comedy today with people who are so, I believe, touchy. So here's the Netflix trailer for the Dave, Dave Chappelle. Uh,
4: uh, this special. is Dave. He tells jokes for a living. Hopefully he makes people laugh. But these days it's a high-stakes game. Hmm. How did we get here, I wonder? I don't mean that metaphorically, I'm really asking. How did Dave get here? I mean, what the fuck is this? But what do I know, I'm just Morgan Freeman. Anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you say anything, you risk everything. But if that's the way it's gotta be, okay, fine. Fuck it. <laughs> He's back, folks.
3: That's that's the setup. Joe Nashantra to the special.
1: All right, I'm a little too cheap for Netflix, but I'm gonna have to get <laughs> just like a one month free trial. Okay, why, trial. You're, okay, you're why don't you go uh, buy somebody's house right.
3: who got Netflix that's
2: got and y'all can have dinner. That's how you got just got ask
1: dinner. someone for the password. Listen, I okay, mean, there you go. <laughs> yeah. comedy is satire. I mean, obviously they're gonna go for our sacred cows. That's what gets people, that's what gets a rise. That's, true. that's what gets their name out there. I get it, I understand it, but I do want to talk about cancel culture. You can say anything you want, but people can have a backlash. That's how this works. That's
3: true. It's true but we see but but he addresses that I mean he addresses it he did. By, by saying okay okay I'm gonna go back in your life and look at everything you've done and I'm gonna reach back and I'm gonna cancel you today and the thing th- the thing to me I mean I, I, I think about it look, look at Eddie Murphy so there's mm-hmm. a story said Eddie Murphy's negotiating with Netflix to do a, a, a massive comedy special mm-hmm. you go back and look at delirious and raw mm-hmm. okay if you go back and look at <laughs> if you if y'all have not seen on, Eddie Murphy yeah. delirious and raw, come on. If you go back and look at today, Joseph, in today's context, it's mm-hmm. from then. Mm-mm. I mean, he was the biggest star in the world yeah, he was. <laughs> for
0: saying some that you could not get away with today. Oh no question. Richard Pryor, right? Mm-mm. The master at breaking taboos. I mean, he started off in the footsteps of Bill Cosby, uh, and then took a dark turn, which yeah. made him a star. I mean, he used to be like telling dad jokes, and then he became this dude who said what was on his mind, including race, including culture, including sexuality. Oh, sexuality And it just made him a
3: comedy genius. But I I just, I I guess, again, for me, what I don't understand is, I don't go to a comedy show like it's a lecture. (laughs) I don't go to a comedy show like it's a speech. It's not. It is a comedy show. Comedians take those things to your point that are sacred, and they say, "Okay, you can't talk about that." Comedians are like, mm, watch me. <laughs> that me. That's the deal. And, and and I'm not. And here's the deal. I, I have I've hosted comedy shows. I have mm-hmm. I, I I've, I've been in front of many comedians. You said comedians on every it's, week, on right? It, it, it's no different. It's no different than when, uh, it's it's no different than when I've MC'd events. Mm-hmm. And part of the thing about being an MC. Is you gotta know how to keep the ball moving? You gotta gotta keep people awake. And I'm ripping on folks, straight up. I I remember I did the executive leadership council dinner one time. (laughs) Respectable, the the ball chick. Right? I I, I think right. right, Hold hold on, that was that was real respectable. It was like (laughs) three thousand of them in there. Y'all, they had a script that was about this thick. My goodness. And they wanted to go to rehearsal. I'm like. I ain't going to no rehearsal <laughs> for the MC a banquet, y'all. This ain't this ain't that hard, mm-hmm. and so we, we came to the script. I'm like, uh, Sean Gables was the the co uh, MC. I was like, we ain't reading from that script.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So like, what we gonna do? I'll like, just follow me. I said that's a guide. So we're in the uh, we're in the um, green room. We walk in, and Colin Powell. He's in there, so I walk in. He's like, well, oh, there's an ugly man. I said, your ass might be a four-star general, but I'll cut your ass. <laughs> oh, he cracked up laughing. Now, you know, now, I was in the green room. Now, you know, when I went on that damn stage, I retold that damn joke. How about that? And then, you know, Magic Johnson got an award. I was like, listen here, Magic ain't trying to get the take Washington. We're looking on damn business plan tonight. So they'll be trying to give him your stuff. And then Emmys Smith was there. and everybody know I hate the Cowboys with a passion. I hate the Cowboys more I hate the Klan. Hate Okay, I hate, I hate the Cowboys. That's a yeah. deep hatred, brother. I hate the Cowboys that much. Does it get any so Emmett was there. And I was like, "Yeah, Emmett Smith, yes, yeah, Super Bowl champion." I was like, "Emmett, do me a favor, lean the hell back so I can look at your white pack I can't stand Oh, Cowboys. i like, oh, rip- we're ripping on everybody. And then, so, perfect example, so Sean Gable tried to crack on me. She's like, uh, "She's like, look, you need to work out." And I lean back, look at her butt, and i was like, "You need to work out too." Everything was on the table. <laughs> Everything. But the one that I thought, I really thought about, I, I thought I was about to look, I cracked on uh, Kwame Kilpatrick. Mm. Oh. I had two cell phones. Oh. And Chan, like, why you have two cell phones? I said, Kwame should have had two cell phones. Whoa. The room just... Now, he was crazy. The front third of the room cracked up laughing. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, uh-oh. But then, the second third cracked up, because the first third told the second they like, what'd he say? <laughs> it was a rolling joke. That joke literally rolled from the... It was 3,000 people from the front of the back of the room. Oh when you're there, yo, you crack anything that's available. Anything that's available, you crack on. Bishop Charles Blake at the M O K fifty deal. They told me, Roland, we, we stall, go stall. Okay. Bishop Blake came in. I was like, Bishop, how many cats with you? Jesus only had twelve disciples. Your entourage is uh, thirty. Yes, was Like <laughs> Chris Tucker was like, Damn, that's barbershop but, humor. But the point TV is, yeah. when you're in that space, <laughs> that's a part of it. I just don't get people who go to comedy shows and go, oh, my God, I can't believe you went there. That's what comedians
2: do.
1: But these aren't people who are going to the show. They're watching it after the fact or critiquing it as I No, no? They're sitting in the show. No, no, no there are
2: you,
3: people uh, who are you, sitting in shows. You're talking about the
2: Netflix show. You're no, talking about yeah. the Netflix? I'm not talking
3: about yeah. this Netflix. I'm talking about people who yeah, actually go to net. comedy right, shows yeah, yeah. and get, I can't, I'm, this is not funny. This is not fun. You came. You came. You paid your money, you, money to come here. You came that's, to a comedy show. That's right. That's what comedians that's do. That's right. You don't know what a comedian's going to come out of their mouth. But, but, but this, I, I just, don't, I, I think, I think that, that people are sensitive as hell. Mm-hmm. I think people today don't know how to laugh, and I fundamentally believe no one is off limits. Yeah. No one. Black people not off limits. No. White people, Latinos, Asians, they've American. Nobody no. is off limits no that's the beauty of the comedy stage no
2: well i think to DeShane, uh, point you what you just observed people are watching this the, the consumer base is huge mm-hmm. and to joe's point i mean Pryor could not you can go on youtube and see the richard Pryor roasts the roast on sexuality between him and paul mooney oh my mm-hmm. god man you can't no no but but there was no social media then things have changed in that regard but even the clip that we all saw the, the trailer Dave Chappelle, I don't know what's going through his mind, but in terms of inheriting the mantle of a prior, or before that, of a Lenny Bruce, Mm -hmm. or coming forward, unlike Murphy and them, Dave Chappelle seems to have struck upon a rhythm where he says, "Okay, I am truly going to be this watershed comedian in this age." Because think about it with this—just the trailer we saw, Morgan Freeman with the cancel culture that came for him—to mm-hmm. have Morgan Freeman doing that voiceover and then the voice of God then and- say, "Fuck it, this is all. This ain't this ain't no accidental no, 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 thing." Dave Chappelle—he's I- going for cancel culture. I think that's really what he's going at.
3: And because I, and I, what we're seeing now, Deshondre, we're seeing comedians saying. They, they're refusing to play on college campus. Right. Because college students are like, oh, my God, you joked about the joke about that. I, 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 just, I'm, I just think, that to me, what makes comedy so different is I can escape all this other bullshit, <laughs> okay, and go to a show and just laugh. And, and, and they will rip, on, to me, they will rip on people you like and people you don't like. They will rip on, if you saw the late Patrice O'Neill, I mean, eviscerate, I mean, all kinds of stuff. It's to, I just think that when we start treating comedians as if they are lecturers mm. and politicians, mm. we lose.
1: It really, No, I would say social commentary is hard for people to listen because they're not just being funny. They're giving you social commentary. That's true. And a lot of people ain't ready, and they ain't receptive to hear it, point blank. <laughs> but see, I'm not.
3: But see I'm, see, right. but see, I'm not gonna call it social commentary, because see, I think that's the problem. I think what has happened is, and this is, see, now, now, the reason why I think Bill Maher is different, mm-hmm. because see, Bill Maher wants to play both sides from the middle. Yeah, he does. Bill Maher wants to be taken seriously as a show host. <laughs> yes. But then go. Nope, I'm a comedian. No, Bill, no. you got to pick. That's yeah. You got to pick, because if you're the show host, rules are different. If you're the comedian, rules are different. And that's, and that's the piece. Rules are different based on where you are. People say, well, Roland, how can you criticize that when Michael uh, Richard, when he went off? I said, no, here was a difference. Michael Richard left the stage. Michael Richard attacked a person who was there <laughs> directly. Michael Richard was not operating within the confines of his uh, talent. I've seen comedians within the confines of their talent, eviscerate a heckler that's true that's different richard the he, he was the character. blunt instrument basically whoa, whoa, he was a shotgun wait, 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 and, and he called somebody he called yet. you he, he attacked that guy because and went off on him
0: right verse was anger i mean he was anger he was looking to hurt that there dude, you go and he was looking to make a point but the the, the, the one thing i'll say really quickly and i'll shut up is that that uh Uh, A couple days ago on YouTube, uh, a friend of mine sent me a Dave Chappelle routine. And it was so funny, it speaks to this point, because he said he was at home, 9-11 happened, and then CNN cut to Ja Rule, right? And and Chappelle says, wait, what? And so he went on this whole riff, he's like, okay, something important happened. Let me call Ja Rule and see what he thinks. Right! Why are we we even listening to this dude about anything? He's a comedian. I mean, even Chappelle, to a degree, you can say he's a comic. You know whatever he says. Why are
2: you taking it seriously? Because this is what nah, he, I don't know. Right, tells I'm, not, I'm, I'm like Deshaun. This guy, his social commentary. I, you, but you, can I'm, choose I'm, to, you can choose to take it but, that way. But, but I, right? don't, I don't know how he's. He seems like he's feeling out this territory. I know what he's right, doing. In, in Bill Maher's case, Bill Maher is not funny. He ain't no good host, quite frankly. Yeah. But in Chappelle's case, yeah, I'm a comedian, dude. You're more than a comedian, to well, your point. And but, I think you're aware of that. but, but no, he, but he is. But but here's
3: what I think. What to Joseph's point, what he's saying. What he's saying is, I'm going to comment on these things through comedy from the stage. Mm -hmm. Dave is not consistently talking about Trump, a Democratic candidate. No, that's true. He didn't even say Trump. What he's, is not, that? he's not. He's not. So, point. So, the, so the difference that's is true. when the difference is when mm-hmm. you're a comedian and you step outside of your job as a comedian, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden you want to become a political commentator. It's good. Point. And now you want to become and take Go to right. right. So, for instance, D-, D. L. Hughley is in a different space. Because the reality is, even though D.L. Hughley is a comedian, interesting, even though he is host of his own radio show, because D.L. does these shows and is talking about social issues, commentary, he's not in a different space. So when D.L. says something, even as a comedian, bruh, you can't, you can't do this. Interesting. See, you can't see the, the, the hop and the back and forth is the problem. Dave is saying. I'm a comedian. I'm going to use the stage and the mic to speak to these issues through a comedic prism. Uh, to man, me, the
2: rules are different. What would you do with uh, with our dear elder, now ancestor, Dick Gregory?
3: Oh, uh, I, I still think different. Because, see, Dick made the conscious decision dick was a dick, dick was a comedian Great comedian then dick made the conscious decision to become an activist ah. the moment dick became an activist it changed, it changed the equation because he was in, so even though dick still did comedy but it was also
0: informed that's the difference
3: i, I don't it was, I, I, it, it was informed no, i in get that. informed what i'm saying is it, it's rules, it's rules. Yeah. How do I perceive you? Mm-hmm. I perceive you, I perceive Dave Chappelle differently than I do DL. Oh, no question. Differently than Bill Maher. Yep. Because I think when you walk, when you walk into this space, it's no different than when, why, why has the black pulpit been what it is, so powerful? Because when you're speaking within the confines of the pulpit, the problem is when you try to become a politician and a preacher. See, now. You're operating in two
2: different contexts.
4: Mm-hmm. And so,
3: now
2: I'm receiving you in a different way. Who is that? Bill Gray, Adam Clayton Powell. I'm trying to think of people who. Calvin Butts never made the complete commitment to politics. Right. So the point is, when you step outside of your
3: lane, mm-hmm. you now, the rules are now different. Because see, now, how am I receiving you? are you talk so for instance reverend barbara can speak to me through a preacher through a, mm-hmm. a a preacher prism sure once you choose to become a politician now okay how you talking to me are you preacher or are you politician <laughs>
1: but going back to It's that, lanes. but going back to the college students you know some comedians don't want to college students don't see those two sets of rules they don't see no. the different it's all one thing
3: to and them and that's the problem yeah. and the problem is they are going to comedy shows Treating them as if they're going to lectures and their comedy shows, and that's why I'm with the comedians who said, "Don't book me for no dog on college campuses," because I want to be able to do my craft. And when Chris rocks talks about how you work through a joke, that's the other thing, which is why they hate being videotaped. Because a dude who's trying to work through a joke, they're trying to refine oh, it, or a woman trying to refine yeah. it, they may they may hit 12, 15 shows. People Before that joke is just right, yeah. now we're determining the value of your joke based upon that one, that one time. And it's and that's, and that's so that's why a lot of comedians right now are frustrated. So really what I think Dave is doing with this, mm. Dave is saying, you know what? I've watched all this sort of crap. Y'all come on. Yeah, that's clear. What, 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 what <laughs> Dave is saying, that's true. y'all come on. First of all, Netflix done paid him damn near $100 million. Yeah, he good. Uh, for, right. So he good. He good. But good. what he's saying is, <laughs> Dave is saying, y'all come on. Come, hit me with all of this. It ain't no shock, it drops in August. He gets the Mark Twain prize at the Kennedy Center in October, the Mm. highest award for comedy. That's right. It ain't no surprise, and I think what he's now saying is, come at me, let me see how y'all come at me. So for the rest of y'all who behind me, now y'all can just do y'all thing, because guess what, I took took all the arrows. Very. That's what I think he's doing. That's what I think he's doing because, you're right, how he... Y'all got to watch it. Yeah, you do. Y'all got to watch... Like or don't like. Don't watch it from judgment. That's right. Watch it. You can judge it if you want to, but I want you to watch it as a tactician. Yeah. How he opens up with the Prince lyric, and then he has that line, (laughs) judgment day line. Yes. Opens up talking about a suicide. Yes. And it goes from there. How he constructs... I'm telling you. This was done on purpose, and I think he's speaking to this whole point of how we have taken the comedic stage and we have neutered it, and said no, you can't, you can't criticize anybody because we're just everything is too sacred. He's saying nothing mm-hmm. is
2: sacred. Oh, and beyond that, celebrity, everybody, all of it. everybody, you be canceled, I be canceled, any of us. There you go, all of it. That's right. All right, folks. Uh, Thank all of y'all for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you so very
3: much. Folks, don't forget to support Roller Martin Unfiltered by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com and joining our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show. Tomorrow on the show, folks, uh, we have a fantastic conversation uh, that will take place. Dondre Whitfield and Devon Franklin were at the Global United Fellowship in the Bahamas, and they had this unbelievable discussion about manhood. We're going to stream that for you tomorrow. Trust me, you do not want to miss this conversation. It was a powerful discussion between two brothers talking about the importance of manhood. We're going to have that for you tomorrow. Then on Monday, of course, we're off on Monday, but we're also going to have a show for you. I should say, my interview with her, talking about her books, her book on uh, the uh, sisters, Boko Haram, kidnapping those Nigerian girls and how it is still a major issue. You don't want to miss that as well. So folks, be sure to have a great Labor Day weekend. Uh, I got some golf lined up, hanging out with the family as well. Uh, and don't forget, labor is what made Labor Day real. Labor unions. Tuesday show, we'll talk to one of our partners, Ashby and Lee Saunders, how labor unions and the American with polling data are at its highest polling numbers in 50 years. That's all next week. We got some great stuff lined up for you. All right, folks, y'all have a great one. I got to go. How? Check out Rollerbark Unfiltered, youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. You want to support Rollerbark Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roland Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered Daily Digital Show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get twenty thousand of our fans contributing fifty bucks each for well, the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. This is Diallo Riddle,
4: and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Stay woke.
3: This is Director X, the
0: director of Superfly on the red carpet, or well, the black carpet, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Yo, what up, y'all? This is Jay Ellis, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered.
2: Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. I'm
5: Lex Scott Davis, and you are watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered.
2: Hey, what's up, y'all? This your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're not watching Roland Martin right now. E.
3: Hey fam, wanna we'll check out Unfiltered, the blackest show on all of digital cable and broadcast. We'll check out our audio podcast. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. That's rollermart Unfiltered. Press
2: play. <laughs>